Open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, right at the beginning of your Bibles there, page 2 in your Bibles, if you're using one of the Pew Bibles. And uh, if you are, if you don't have your Bible, please grab one of those in the rack and uh, take it with you. This is our gift to you. We just want you to have it and take it home with you. Use it as much as you want to. So feel free to mark it up as, as much as you want to this morning. But Genesis chapter 3, I want to take you all the way back to the beginning for just a moment because it's really interesting to see what life was like before Genesis 3 and then how things have changed after Genesis 3. And so we're going to learn a little bit more of what happened and still the effects of Genesis 3 in our lives today. We started a message series last week for the whole summer. It's going to carry us. It's called Come See Jesus, Go Be Jesus. And every week we're going to come and we're going to learn something about Jesus and something about a characteristic that he had that he did and that we might learn from him and then we might go out of this place and go be Jesus to every person that we meet and God's gonna bring people into our lives throughout the week or weeks and we know with the summer months we're not gonna see you every single week in the summertime and so the hope is that you'll take a characteristic and until we see you again go be Jesus until we see you again then come on back and we'll, we'll look at another characteristic of Jesus and then we're gonna go be Jesus once again. Well, I don't think I have to tell you that we live in a fallen world. I mean, all you have to do is just look on the news, see what's going on in the news, especially as we look on the Gulf Coast these days and see the catastrophe that's going on with our environment and God's world and how it's radically changing everything for the rest of our life, it's gonna be different. Well, I wanna show you a video and it's a video that Maybe a little hard for some of you to watch because you might be able to relate to this. But it's about a person who was Jesus. Let's watch. An example of doing the little things that make a difference and being, being Jesus to someone um, is something I saw a few months ago. I was, um, I was out on a street called East Hastings, which is in Vancouver, and it's well known as the uh, worst postal district or zip code in North America. Um, it's, it's a place where uh, drug addicts go to die. It's full of homeless people. Um, has North America's first safe injection site where you can actually legally inject heroin, supervised by the government. It's that bad. And uh, it's one of the areas where our, where our teams work. And um, we have a, a training school uh, for, for people who are trying to figure out, is this what I want to do in my life? And we took nine of them down for a night and we're working with this church that's on the street there and they'd ask me to speak which is kind of a weird thing you know I'm dealing with these people who are totally homeless and they're totally many of them are high and they come into this church because the church is feeding them and the deal is they get this food and then they listen to some guy doing worship and then I stand up and speak about how great life is and I'm kind of like I'm standing there and I'm thinking Lord what am I gonna say so anyway our team of eight young people nine young people sorry are uh, helping serve the food and at one point this guy comes and he sits down and I'm standing here and, and there's a row of chairs there and he sits there and he's kind of like this he's he's so high and he looks like he hasn't slept for days but he's this and he's got this plate of eggs and beans and toast and sausages there and it's in his hand and he's trying to get his fork to stab the sausage so he can get it in his mouth and it's moving like that he gets one in and it sort of misses his mouth and goes in and then we're watching him and not, me and Rob aren't saying anything so it's a very moving thing to watch and all of a sudden the plate begins to tip and he can't stop it and all this food and he, I don't know when the last time he ate was but all this food just slides off the plate 
lands in his lap, just drips onto the floor and he's just sitting there looking at it like that. And just from this side comes Naomi. Naomi is one of our 17-year-old people. And she comes into this mess of this, this guy who's stinking and smelling and food all over him. And she kneels down in the middle of this pile of baked beans, gets it all over herself and she takes a cloth and she starts to clean him. And as she's cleaning, she cleans him all over. Then she takes his plate, she goes back, she goes behind the counter, so she gets to the front line, she fills it with food, and she brings it back out to him, and she holds it, covered in, she's now covered in the beans, and everything, and she's holding it while this guy's eating. And I, I saw Jesus. Naomi was Jesus at that moment, and that's, when I got up and spoke, that's what I spoke about. That Jesus entered into our world in the way that Naomi entered into the, this guy's mess. And he makes a difference, and he cleans people up, and he, provides a place and a hand that steadies the plate so you can get some food. You know, it all starts back in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve were the only two people here and they were in the garden and God created this amazing, perfect world there were no issues, there were no problems, there was no sickness, there was no death. It was, a, it was the best world that God could have ever created. And then it all changed, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will, what's the word? Die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And as you know, she ate that fruit and everything changed. I don't think you and I can begin to even comprehend what life was like before this, because all we know is life after it. I mean, just curious, how many of you are in the medical field, doing anything at all, even remotely related to the medical field? Raise your hands. All right, good. See, you weren't needed at Genesis 2, ever. You were not needed. Now, how many of you have been to a doctor? Amen. I think everybody raised their hand. Probably everybody should have raised their hand, right? And why are we going to the doctor? Because sometimes something's wrong. But God never created us to have something wrong. But God said to Eve, the day you eat of it is the day that you're going to die. And she didn't drop dead, but what happened was everything started to change. Life started to change. People started to get sick. Cancers were all of a sudden introduced. Sicknesses and leukemia and everything else, I mean, viruses, bacterial infections, all those things were all part of our world that had never been part of the world before. And all of a sudden we began this snowball effect that now you and I are so used to it, we don't think anything about having medicines in our house. I mean, I bet you if you went home and just opened up your medicine cabinet, how many medicines do you have sitting in your cabinet? 
and you have Tylenol and Aleve and, and antihistamines and, and everything else, aspirin, whatever else medicines that you're on. We have all these medicines. Why? Because God told us we're going to die. And so we're taking all of these medicines so that we feel better. But it was never meant to be that way. And yet that's what we're, we are in and we're born into this and we'll die in this world just like that. We'll start turning over to Mark chapter 1 because what we're going to see, it's on page 707, what we're going to see is the story of God entering into our world and doing something extraordinary. You know, I want you for just a moment this morning to think about being God. Put yourself in God's shoes. Just try to imagine what it was like. You create a perfect world. It gets completely messed up. And you come into this world that you know is totally messed up. And you come into this world for only 33 years. And you're trying to make a difference into this world. And you see sicknesses all around you. You see issues all around you. You see all the results of the sin that you forewarned Adam and Eve about. And you're seeing this. And to boot, at the end, they're going to kill you because they don't accept you. I mean, it must have been extraordinary for God to even enter into the messiness of our lives. And you wonder why. I mean, why would God do that? Why wouldn't God just say, you know what? Forget it. Forget it. It's not worth it. I I'm not going to do this. And yet God said it is worth it. And you and I are worth it. Okay, chapter 1 of Mark. Find verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. This is Peter and Andrew. Simon Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Now, don't look past something extraordinary here, would you? She's in bed with a fever, maybe viral, maybe bacterial. Maybe she's going to die from this. She's weak. She can't get out of bed. She's bedridden. She's struggling. She's hurting. She's fatigued. She's weak. And Jesus comes into the house and walks up to her. And I can't even begin to imagine what it must have been like to have Jesus just reach out and touch her. And as soon as he touches her, the fever's gone. She's completely restored. She has no more issues. I mean, just like that, from a touch, a simple touch, she's healed. No medicine, no IV, no hospital. No surgeries. She's just healed. But she's so healed. Look at what she does. She gets up. Um, the fever left her and she began to wait on them. So she's not only restored, but when he touches her, she's instantly strengthened as though she was never sick to begin with. And she feels great and feels strong and gets up and begins to serve all of the guests. And this was so extraordinary to have healing like this, an instant healing into this world where death was introduced. That, look at verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. 
Look at the next four words, or next three. The whole town gathered. The entire town. I mean, can you imagine, as soon as Jesus healed this mother-in-law, we don't even know her name, Jesus heals the mother-in-law, people are like, holy cow, I gotta go get my mom. I gotta go get my brother. I gotta go get my daughter. Because Jesus might heal them too. And so you could see the house like clear out, and everybody runs and goes, quick, get everybody who's sick and bring them. Jesus is here and he can heal them. And so by sunset, the entire town is gathered at the front door of Simon Peter's house. And all they want is to get close enough to Jesus so that they might experience in their life healing. And I wonder how many of us would want the same thing. How many of us need healing from a relationship that's gone bad? How many of us want healing from a body that's, that's dying? How many of us want healing from a sickness or from an addiction or from an issue that they're facing in life or a job issue or unemployment or any other host of issues that you're dealing with? That if you could only come to Jesus and just reach a hand out and say, please, heal me so that I might be whole and restored completely. And the whole town had gathered because God was able to do extraordinary things in their life and heal them. Well, jump down to verse 40 with me and look at this story. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. All right, I, I got to explain this. Leprosy was the worst disease you could ever get. Nobody knew how you got it. Nobody knew why. But you would get leprosy, and if you got leprosy, leprosy was a skin disease. And it would literally eat away at your skin over your entire body. It was painful. It was considered a curse of God if you got this. That somehow you had done something in your life, and this was God's judgment in your life physically. And if you're living your normal life and all of a sudden you have this little white spot on you because it would turn your whole body white. And if you showed a little dot of leprosy, you had to go to a priest at that time. And if they would say, yes, that's leprosy, your entire life changed like this. You were banned from the community. You were suddenly an outcast. You could never hold your spouse again. You could never hold your kids again. You could never be anywhere near any human being again unless they also had leprosy. You were banished from outside the city gates. You were banished out into the wilderness where you could be, have no contact with anybody else. And you were to go out there and just die you could never come into the town. You were banished from the town. You were, you were completely an outcast. 
Can you imagine what that must have been like? And Jesus is in town. And this leper comes into Jesus and goes to Jesus. And you can just imagine everybody else in the town backing up and saying, get out of here. You have no business here. Get out of here. Leave. Please leave. We don't want leprosy. We don't want you. Leave. Please. And this man, look at what he does. Verse 40. He comes to Jesus and he gets on his knees before Jesus. And he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, I want you to, again, put yourself into Jesus' shoes. Can Jesus heal him? Yes. Can I ask you a question? Can Jesus heal you? Yes. Are you sure? Can he heal you? Yes, he can. But sometimes he doesn't. And I don't have the answer of why. You may come to Jesus and say, God, if you're willing, please heal me. And God might not. And how often do we get angry at God because of what he doesn't do? I mean, over the last two years, I mean, let me personalize this, okay? I think I've told you, we have a house still in Illinois. It still has not sold. It has just nearly bankrupt us. And I can't tell you how many times over two years I have begged and pleaded God, please sell the house. And he hasn't. And I don't have an answer. And, and we've just said, God, why? Am I doing something wrong? God, is there some reason why? Silence. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've gone for walks and I've cried before God. I'm not a crier and I've cried and I say, God, you're going to take everything, aren't you? You're just going to take all of it. Every last nickel you're going to take away. Silence. And the hardest thing in the midst of that is to keep praising. To keep saying, God, I still love you. Even though you're not doing anything. And sometimes we'd be second. Somebody come in the house and love the house, but buy another house. We were in second. And we lost a number of deals that way. See, for me, it's just a simple house. For you, it might be a sickness. It might be a marriage. It might be a child. It might be another issue that you're facing that you just can't figure out why God has not intervened to heal the situation. Well, back to the house. God, in his grace, did sell the house. Not sold yet. But at the end of this month, it should be closed and we should finally have gotten rid of the house been two long years. Pray for that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank God for that. But please, if you would, lift this up. And I can't tell how many times that prayer for me, I mean, that, that prayer that's in the Bible that says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God. We keep praying to God. Please, God, let this go through.
But God is to be praised whether he does it or whether he doesn't, no matter what God does. See, I want to take you back to Genesis for a minute, okay? What did God say to Eve? The day that you eat it, you will die. So what do you and I deserve? Death. We do. That's what we deserve. We don't deserve the blessings from God. We don't. And we struggle when God doesn't answer those prayers as though somehow we deserved something better. But God, it's in his grace when God intervenes and he decides to heal something in our life because we don't deserve it. Now, this is really awesome. I want you to see this. Verse 41. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Now, if you were there in the house, if you were where Jesus was when he reached out a hand and he touched this man, you would have heard an audible gasp from everybody because he did the unthinkable. He touched the untouchable. He touched the person who probably everybody else saw as least deserving that was under the curse of God and here God reached out and touched him. And everybody must have been aghast because they knew that Jesus would also get leprosy by touching him. Now, let me, let me tell you a story just maybe to help you understand this, okay, from my own life. When we were in Guatemala and I was in this place called Las Picayas, it was up in the highlands. It was six hours from civilization, literally. And somebody came down to our small little hut and said, um, Ed, you're needed and requested. Please come and touch a person and pray that God would heal them. I said, okay. So I went along and they didn't really know me and I, I couldn't speak the language. It was, they spoke Uspanteco. But I went along and we went into this, this uh, house that was eight by eight. That was the entire house. And there was Juan, he was laying on a bed and he was very, very, very sick. Um, I mean, he was, he was very evidently, he was dying. He was coughing, he was sneezing. And I had no idea what he had. And I went up and I went into the house and I sat with Juan and I, and I held his hand. And while I was holding his hand, he was coughing on me. He was sneezing on me. And it was one of those things that was just like, um, all right, let me just love this guy. And we prayed together, and I say to them for a really long time, well, sometimes God in his grace, grace um, covers us in our stupidity, okay? Juan had tuberculosis. And when I told somebody this who was in the medical profession, they about decked me. And they said, do you realize how contagious tuberculosis is? You have to be tested now for tuberculosis because it's very likely that you got tuberculosis. In fact, Juan's entire family all died from tuberculosis. And I didn't get tuberculosis. I just loved him and I cared for them. And that was the picture that came to my mind when I thought about what God did for us. 
See, God doesn't care how messy our lives are. God meets us in our life where we are. God meets us in our death where we are, if you will. God meets us in our sickness. God meets us in our addiction. God meets us in our issues. God meets us wherever we are. And he enters right into our life and right into our world and does the unthinkable. He reaches a hand out and touches us and says, it's okay. I'm right here with you. And the man said, let's go back to what the man said, verse 40. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured immediately. God can heal you. God can restore you. God can take care of any sickness. And sometimes in our life, I think sometimes we turn to things like medicine and say, the medicine will work. But we forget that it's God who heals and God uses the medicines to heal us. God uses all kinds of means. God uses people to heal us. God uses medicines. God uses doctors. God uses surgery. God uses all kinds of means. But ultimately, God is the healer. And sometimes God doesn't heal. And it's in those times that we still give praise. But in those times when God is gracious, and reaches into our world and gives healing to our bodies, our spirits, our souls, our hearts, our minds, and God heals us. Those are the times that we extraordinarily say to God, thank you for what you have done. Friends, I don't know where you are. But I know that God this morning wants to heal you, wants to meet you where you are, and wants to bring healing to you. And I'm gonna encourage you to do just like that man did. That man came to Jesus and said, if, if you're willing. And if Jesus wasn't willing, he's still to be praised. But Jesus was willing. And today we're not gonna have communion. Because what I want you to do, there's a couple things we're gonna do this morning. One is I want you to come before God and if you wanna kneel before God and you wanna say, if you're willing, if you're willing, you can and you tell God what you need. And God might be willing. God might heal you. God might heal you instantly. God might heal you in time. God might heal you with others. God may not heal you. But God is still to be praised. We're also gonna do something else. Each one of you was given a little piece of paper, and if not, there's a basket of them right here. And up here in the front, uh, there are these four uh, incredible paintings that Kurt Gledhill did for us. And what we want you to do is come up and put, take the, on the back, there's like a little sticky, you can peel that off so that it sticks. Come up here and put those, they're color coordinated, so put them accordingly. 
But there's a reason for doing that. Is that together, we can do so much more than individually. And what you're gonna notice on these paintings is that there's a fish. And if you don't know what the fish symbol means, in the Greek, fish, the word for fish is ichthys. And if you take every one of those letters, they stand for another word, and it's Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. So that you knew in the New Testament times that if a person had a symbol of a fish, and you've seen them on cars, and they have a symbol of the fish, it means that they believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God, the Savior. And the reason why those are on here is so that we realize that Jesus came into our world, into a dark world, and brings hope and healing and life. And my encouragement to you is not only come up and put those down here, but then this week, go be Jesus. Don't be bashful about entering into someone's life and walking alongside them. Don't be bashful about reaching a hand out and praying for somebody for healing. Go be Jesus till we see you again. And that may mean getting out of your comfort zone to go be Jesus, but God got out of his comfort zone to heal us, and we're gonna encourage you to do the same. Okay, one more thing. We're gonna just start singing songs now. There won't be a close to the worship today. We're gonna to sing. I think the band has six songs that we're gonna be singing. We wanna encourage you to stay in worship as long as you'd like to stay in worship. Stay and pray as long as you wanna pray. And then when you're ready, then have an incredible day as you go be Jesus all throughout the week. But whenever you're ready, you don't have to come up anytime soon, but whenever you're ready to come up with those pieces of paper, come on up and put those down there and maybe even pray. You might be praying a prayer of if you're willing, you can. Or maybe your prayer is, God, help me go be Jesus this week. Let's pray together. Jesus, how can we thank you enough for who you are, that you entered into our world, this sinful world, where death reigns. And Lord, we want to thank you that you've saved us. And now, Lord, we just want to respond to you. And you know the healing that we all need, God. And so we come to you and pray for healing. We pray, Lord, that if you are willing, that you can make us clean and forgive us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for our salvation. And Lord, thank you for all that you do in our lives. We're not deserving of any of it, but we want to say thank you. Bless us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And God's people said, amen. amen.